Okay, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 will be our text. I won't be getting to that right away, but I want you to be there and be ready because that is going to serve as our text for both this morning and this evening's services. I'm going to uh, continue on in this, this evening with this uh, same passage. Uh, and by the way, are you keeping your New Year's resolutions? I didn't make any. Some say, okay. My goal is to lose at least 10 pounds. I've got 25 more to go. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but they start feeding you from about Christmas on. You know, you get there New Year's, you're making that resolution. Okay, I do that. And then they start giving you all this other food. And so I don't know if we're eating leftovers or whatever, but I tell you what, it's good. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we, we have those things that just come into our lives and, and then we've got to deal with it later. But the Bible does say, they that put their trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Okay, the Bible says that now. I mean, you know, I mean, I just, I, I know it does. Okay, all right. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started here for this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in the pulpit of your house and to preach your word. Father, I know already before I start, as I talk about Jesus and seek to lift him up, I know I will fail because I really lack the ability to give the glory that's due his name. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us though because thy Holy Spirit will work through the message and through the word and speak to every heart. And I pray that the people of God will get to know their Lord and Savior all the more. But if there's someone who's not sure if they died today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they come to receive Christ as Savior. And we'd ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Well, this chapter that we're going to be looking at has been referred to as the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, reading this chapter, it's, it's good to read chapter 16 before you read it because there's a lot of things in chapter 16 that will tie in with chapter 17. Uh, and, and it's interesting here because, uh, well, here is Jesus Christ is praying. He, he's praying here at this time. This is uh, just days before the cross. And, and by that I mean this. In chapter 17, he is facing What's going to happen? In chapter 18, it'll tell of Judas Iscariot who betrays him and brings those soldiers who will carry him off. First to the high priest and then later to Pilate in chapter 19. And then they'll go on to the crucifixion. In the chapter following that, in chapter 20, in the, in the resurrection, the disciples will betray him. I mean, they will just not betray him in that sense, but uh, will just forsake him. They'll run. They'll leave. They'll get out of there. And Jesus will be alone as they take him away. And then he rises again in chapter 20. 
and he, chapter 21, he appears unto his disciples. These last few chapters of the book of John are worth all your reading and meditating upon it long and hard. And I, I just want to tell you, usually at the end of each year, I study through, I go get, finish the Bible reading schedule that you have and try to finish it by June if I can. And when I finish it, I'll a lot of times spend the rest of the year, most of the rest of the year, not all the rest of the year, but most of the rest of the year on studying one book. But I always make sure that uh, I'll finish the year having read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, again, the four Gospels, because they just show us the love the Lord Jesus Christ has for us and still has for us to this very day. Um, so these four chapters, these last four chapters are just outstanding to me and just really speak to my heart. And they are, they're, they're worth your meditation, just really to read them and think on them. When I started reading chapter 17 this, this time, uh, I was home. You know, I've, I've missed several Sundays and days here, just different things that happened to me and surgeries and all that. But uh, my, my cell phone, I have a Bible app. And on that Bible app, I can look at each verse, and then I can hit a thing that will tell me, type in what you want to say. But every bit I've got of John chapter 17 was during that time. And it's, so it made it easy for me just to take it from my cell phone and, and send it to my computer and type it out. But that's, that's the way it worked. But uh, I can tell you this, just as you read that, and the Lord gives you something that you're reading, and, and learn to do that. Learn to do that as you're reading the Bible. Ask the Lord to show you what he's saying and what he means and how it applies to you. And when he does, write it down. Write it down. Have your heart open to write it down because I believe that it will help you greatly. And it will just encourage you. The fact that the Lord is communing with you through prayer and his word. And so, having said all of that, uh, we're looking now at Jesus Christ. He is praying. And we're seeing the work of His person. We're seeing Jesus Christ in His love for all of us in this prayer that He's praying. This 17th chapter, as I said, is called the High Priestly Prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's our High Priest. If you're saved, you have a great High Priest, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is interceding as a high priest before the throne of the Father every day now in heaven for us. This great high priest is at this point in our chapter, at the beginning of this chapter, he is facing the crucifixion. Now understand, Jesus Christ Existed in all eternity back, uh, past. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, the psalmist says. In Genesis, we read, the Father says, let us make man in our image. And the us is plural. And in the Hebrew language, it's specifically, in this case, looking at three or more. And it is three. Let us, that's the plural, make the singular. Make 
man in our image. But when he's saying, let us make, and that singular word fall into plural, it means those, those three. Those three are of one essence. And that's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three divine persons in one divine essence. They don't work against each other. It works together. Isn't it interesting? We find in, also in this book of John that Jesus said to the disciples, my Father and I will make our abode in you. And then later we see before the cross that he's going to leave the gift of the Holy Spirit to all those who receive him. You know, if you're saved, you actually have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in you. And if you're saved, you were included in that prayer. And if you're saved, realize he is there all the time. Isn't it amazing that an all-holy God doesn't strike us down dead immediately when he sees our unholy ways and words and actions? Oh, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. But now this is before the crucifixion. So he's praying. He's aware of all that's going to happen. You know, Folks, you and I were made in his image, God's image. What is God's image? Is it a body like Jesus had? No. Jesus didn't have that body until the Father formed it inside of Mary. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, he formed a seed inside her. And then the Father took over and started forming that seed into a body. Mary had the Father, had the Son, and the Holy Spirit working within her for the birth of Jesus Christ. That was for us. That was for us. So in this prayer, he knew of all that was about to happen. None of what is going to happen in the following chapters will catch him by surprise. You see, Acts chapter 18, uh, chapter 15, verse 18, tells us clearly, knowing unto God are all his works from the beginning. Someone has wisely said many years ago, and many preachers have repeated it, and it's worth repeating, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? The all-knowing has always known. He knew before I was born every, everything of my life to this point. He's, he knew everything and beyond this point. The day of my death, he even knows the day of my death. I don't, he does. There's been some people wanting to hurry that up, but nonetheless, uh, I'm not going until he takes me out. And you see, we don't ever surprise God. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. Do you realize that Jesus Christ 
knew absolutely everything that the crucifixion would involve. It goes against everything that he is. He's all holy. An all holy God. And he would take our sin that he hates. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. But if we don't come to him in repentance and faith, we're going to be in hell because of our sin. We're born with a sin nature because we inherited that from Adam. It was passed down from parent to parent to parents to parents to parents. And all that happened from Adam and Eve was built upon by each new set of parents. So more of an old nature, the more of a sin nature was passed down upon us. Yet we were made in his image. God, Jesus told us very clearly with no, no doubt about it. He said in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You are not, and I say this in almost every funeral I do, you're not a body with a soul and a spirit. Instead, you're a spirit that has a soul and a body. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, he was just a body laying there. He was a soul there, but that body and soul had no life until he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man now was a living spirit. He had a spirit, a soul, and a body. That's what each of us are. Each of us. Yes. Now here's this high priestly prayer. Facing something, getting ready to take on something that he would never want to have on him. But you see, I've titled this, The Heart of Jesus in Prayer. Because we're going to see in this chapter, the love of God. His love to do this for us. And yes, as your Savior, if you receive him, he will work in your heart and life. The heart of Jesus Christ. As we embark on this message, this chapter, knowing full well, knowing completely full well, that I will fall far short of revealing the love and mind of the Lord and Savior, the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is why this week praying, I said, Lord, I know I will come short and I will fail to reveal the heart of Jesus as it should be revealed. And I also know that I will fail in giving the glory due to his name. So I've asked, had to ask him over and over all week long that the Spirit of God, the very Spirit of God, would reveal the heart of Jesus Christ to each of you, to each of us. The heart of Jesus in prayer will draw us closer to him and allow his Holy Spirit 
to help us understand this prayer. That's got to be my heart desire and each of our hearts desire to understand the person of Jesus Christ in this prayer. He can give understanding far better than this and for that many matter any other preacher to help you just to really know that heart. His Spirit's got to work in us. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit when you, if you received Christ as Savior. He gave you a Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, that He might work in you through the Word of God, but you've got to be in the Word of God in prayer to have that and to have that knowledge and to know it and to obey it. Now, as we go to our text here in John chapter 17, let's look at verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, now understand, for I say, read what he said. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit communed one with another throughout eternity past. Before there was ever a creation, they communed. But they all knew that this would come one day. When Satan fell in his angels, God created hell. He created it for the devil and his angels. He did not create it for man. But because man falls into sin, he doesn't repent and receive Christ as Savior. He goes and he will abide forever in that same hell with no ceasing to exist. No escape. Tormented day and night forever and ever. And yet all of that was just for the devil and his angels. And the way of escaping that as a human being was through Jesus Christ. That's why Christ came, to die for our sins. And so these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. There's four other times before this in the book of John. They'd be saying things to Jesus and he says, but my hour is not yet come. Something they were waiting on, something they were looking at happening, something could happen. But now he's saying, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. You know, you're getting ready to face something. I mean, just imagine, here's a person getting ready to face a surgery that's cancerous and everything else, and he may or may live through that surgery. And praying, well, Lord, glorify yourself through me and let me glorify you. Most, most people are praying for God's healing. May everything go right. May I be well. But the main thing in the heart of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is to glorify the Father. And the Son be glorified by the Father. That we might see the salvation and its price 
for us. So in this high priestly prayer, Jesus teaches us about making request and petition to God, his Father, to glorify the Son. There's a purpose, which is that the Son may glorify the Father. Now, this says something about a father and son's love for one another. You realize that in this prayer, it's showing how a father should love his son or a father should love his children and how the children should love their father. Of course, there's a very, very, very distinct difference. God the Father and God the Son are both all holy. And with ourselves, too often, there's not much of anything that's lovable. And yet, it's what the Father wants us to do. But notice, he has this great desire with everything he's getting ready to face. He has this great desire to glorify his Father. He's dying, and the Father will soon, when all my sin and your sin, even though that's 2,000 years ago, and none of us are alive then, yet he knew, because known unto God are all his works from the beginning, he knew every sin that you and I would ever do and have. We have a free will because we're made it in God's image. God is the Spirit. God has a free will. And we can choose to follow or reject Him. We can read His Word and see doctrine, and we can refuse it or accept it. But no matter what the doctrine is from the Word of God, if you reject it, it's to your own damage. And it becomes part of the broken heart of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that as he's looking towards this, he knows your sin and my sin is going to be placed upon him. Something that he never did. He never sinned. He had no sin, but our sin is placed upon him. As 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, He became sin for us who knew no sin. That we, you and I, all of us, who would receive him, might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize when, we realize, when we're reading Romans chapter 10, that the old salvation passage I call it, and, and he goes on and he tells us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And as he goes on, he's telling us the way of salvation. And he tells us, that it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus. 
Lord spoke of his deity. Jesus spoke of his humanity. The Lord Jesus is bearing our sin upon him and he hates it. Furthermore, men there at the cross, they're crucifying him. Men have made movies and they show the utter ugliness of it all, the blood and everything else and as bad as they can make it. And yet as bad as men have tried to make it look and make you feel sorry for Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to feel sorry for him on the cross. He loves you. That he was there by choice and he could have come off at any time. He's there by choice because he loves you. And so, as he's praying, this is the desire of him and the Father that men might be saved. But the Father, I mean, there's something that he's going to be involved in that it's going to be hard on the Father, I believe. You see, men are doing what they can to the body of Jesus Christ. Don't know that three days later he's going to raise again. He's going to raise up. And then one day, those that receive him, he's going to give them a body that's fashioned like into his glorious body. Philippians, the book of Philippians tells us that. And by the way, you'll never find a lie in the Bible except the lies that men told. But when God's saying it, it's never, never, never a lie. And so, here he is, the Father, the Son, the Son speaking to him in prayer. And the Father is going to pour out wrath upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ. And that wrath is not going to be the wrath of man. It's going to be the wrath of the Almighty God who made the floods that destroyed in Noah's day, who one day is going to cause the heavens, the earth, the, the bounce like a ball in the heavens, the stars will melt with fervent heat, the Bible tells us. And the God of that almightiness who created the heavens and the earth, Psalms chapter 33 says, by his word were they created. Each time in that creation week, Lord, he, the Lord says, let there be light, and there was light. doesn't say, well, he got there and he started working on it. Boy, he worked night and day until he got it created. No, he just spoke it into existence. He's God. He's God. He knows your every thought. He knows my every thought. He's God. And so, He's praying that I may glorify the Father. It says something, as I said, about the love between the two because they're going to glorify each other. You know, I was going to say this tonight, but I want to say this today. If I say it again tonight, act like you didn't hear it before. But I believe that the one command in the Bible that God gave that I cannot do. 
I just can't do it. I mean, I would love to, but I can't do it. That command is given to God the glory that's due His name. One of my prayers in the morning is from time to time when I'm praying the part of prayer. And by the way, let me just say this about prayer. It's not a part of this message, but let me just say this about prayer. Your prayer, your alone time with God should always have the praise of God in it. The worship of Him. But one of the requests I've had of many times is, Lord, when we're in heaven and I'm in a new body, I would like to just kind of stand with those angels. Now, look, we'll have a higher position than the angels in heaven. We will. We'll have a higher. We'll judge angels, the Bible tells us. But I do want to stand with those angels when they're saying, holy, holy, holy. And I want to stand there right with them and say it with them. Because he's an all-holy God who loved me so much that he was an accurate, perfect sacrifice for my sin. He would die for me. Oh, my friend, if you're not sure, if you cannot give a Bible reason why you know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. If you can't do that, don't live in the ignorance of sin. Come to Jesus for the cleansing power of his blood. He can change your life. He can save your soul. And he says, him to come to me. And when he said him, he wasn't just talking to men. I think he said him because men need it more. But nonetheless, you come to him no matter who you are, man or woman. Come to him. He will in no wise cast you out. No wise cast you out. And so my friend, when Jesus, before he goes to this cross, he's in Gethsemane. And he's on his knees and he's praying. And huge drops of sweat are so thick, they're as thick as blood. And they're dropping from him. Why? Because he knows what the Father has to do. He knows what having my sin upon him is. He knows what all is going to happen. But I wonder, I don't know this, but I wonder if those huge sweat drops also include looking down into eternity, knowing unto God are all, all things from the beginning. And he knows those who will sit in a church service, listen on radio, watch live stream, have a, someone that's a Christian that personally witnesses to them. How will he look down, taking all that upon him, suffering all of that on the cross, not just of man, but of the Father. The man's, what they did to Jesus Christ is awful, it's terrible, it's the worst thing you could think of, and yet 
it was nothing compared to what the Father poured out upon his wrath upon the sin of my sin that was upon him. And so my friend, he could see down into eternity who would reject him. And yet you have a free will. He, there are people that teach today that he just elects some to get saved and he elects others to go to hell. That's not in the Bible. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely in Revelation 22. He will save you. And looking down to eternity, the broken heart of Jesus on the cross is seeing those who reject, reject, reject. But guess what? He may be seeing a Christian that the world has more influence on their life than the Word of God, obedience to His Word, faithfully at His house, being a witness. He'll see those things because when we're disobedient, whether it's in our attendance, you know, I said this Wednesday night in our prayer meeting service, but I'll sit right here and you can be happy with me or upset with me. It's, it's all right. It'll, it'll go away in time. But, you know, we have Sunday school every Sunday morning, 945. Some get here at 10 o'clock, but you're getting here at 1030 and a quarter of 11. But you get in Sunday school, just say, well, I was in Sunday school. Yeah, man, you got a whole lot out of those last 10 minutes, didn't you? And you think it's all right. Well, you know, I've got children. We've got to get them dressed. Or, you know, it takes us longer now at this age. Get up earlier. Why do we expect God to accept an excuse that if you work a job somewhere and you've got to be there at that certain time and you say, well, it's 945 and, you know, they say I've got to be there. No, I don't know too many jobs. You have to be there at 945. It's usually earlier. So I've got to be there at 945. Well, you know, I had to get up and get my kids ready, and I had to do this and do that. So, boss, uh, really, uh, I'll be there in time to get just a little bit of this work done. Don't be a liar to yourself. Justifying it is being a liar to yourself. You're not going to fool God. And it's the same with being a witness. It's the same with being a testimony. It's the same with being separated from this world and separated unto God. Be faithful to him. It works out for your best. But the first thing, make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. I would hate to find out that somebody left this auditorium today. And you're not sure you're saved or you know you're not saved either way. You walk out of here without receiving him. I won't know it till one day in eternity. You walked out without Jesus and you had the chance. And one day standing before that white throne where everyone that's at that white throne there are going to be cast into the eternal lake of fire. 
and everything of your past, every thought, every deed, everything about your past at that great white throne is going to show you had a chance and you passed it up. My friend, my friend, don't turn away Jesus. Receive him today. Let's bow our heads, please. Now, Father, you've seen the hands gone up. I pray, Father, that the next thing, though, is it was important to give, put their hand up, but the more important thing is now to come and receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, help us as Christians. You're with us every day. We've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit right there, each with a different thing they're doing in our lives. But Lord, God is present. So I ask that we'll respond, each one, to what God's laying on the heart. And Father, I would ask this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.